second please hello uh welcome to a uh, new episode of the homes movies podcast back after a uh, month-long break where uh, we had things to do i'm yes. Ad- <laughs> i i'm anders holmes things to do hello i'm adam holmes um the fresh big, from the, the, the big brother the big brother yeah it's been well it's just been busy hasn't it we you know we're allowed to have time off i mean other podcasts do seasons so yes that's true if you've been craving Holmes movies, then great. And here we are. But, uh, you know, um, we didn't have that many people writing to us being like, where's Holmes movies? No, but we, we did have a few people. Uh, uh, quite a few people did like the scary scenes uh, episode. I think that and the train episode, those have been the two favorites so far. So people like to be scared and they like trains. Okay, good, yeah. good to know. I thought the shootout would have been a bit more popular, but I guess. <laughs> shootout. Yeah. I saw a film the other day that had a pretty good shootout. The harder they fall, the harder they fell. The uh, the the western with uh, Jonathan Majors, Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba. Oh, uh, the new one. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. The one on the one on Netflix with uh, Regina yeah. King and Zazie Beetz. Really, really good uh, film, by the way. I would like to see that. But Anders, I have to remind you that we're not here today to talk about shootouts. Shootouts. We're here to talk about ensemble casts, films with lots of actors. Many, many actors all together in the same film. Yeah. All the egos under one studio roof. Yeah. There's a new one. There's a new film with a big cast coming out soon called Don't Look Up with uh, DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill. And uh, getting shit reviews, mate. It looks It's getting mixed reviews. It looks rubbish. When people say mixed, it means there's one person who's like, oh, I love this. Leonardo is my favorite and everyone else thinks it's shit so that's what mixed reviews mean yeah it's directed by adam mckay who did the movie the big shorts which everyone liked i thought was okay and then everyone and then he no, did no, the big shorts crap and this is crap yeah I, I wasn't too i mean i thought it was fun for what it was but it wasn't like yeah it's also we like know, not, we know what happened <laughs> it's also it gets a lot of stuff wrong apparently about business but i don't understand that because i'm an idiot but you know but yeah. this is the thing when people say mixed reviews right you know if you've got a mix a cake mix and they say like, well it's a mix it's got it's got sugar it's got flour and it's got shit and like, well, you've, you've still made a shit cake. That's not that's not mixed. That's just a shit cake. You've made a shit thing because yeah. it's got shit in it. That's um, what that's anyway. what that's what Octavia Spencer's uh, character did for uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character in the film The Help. Spoiler. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> and gross. Um, yes. But uh, well, and that film has a lot of problems, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, so, but there is another ensemble film that is out and that is actually good and that I saw the other day, and that's the French Dispatch. Yes, the French Dispatch, the newest film from Wes Anderson. He's uh, he's he's it's just finished an filming his new ensemble film. Yeah, and he's just finished filming his new one in Spain that Bill Murray and Jeffrey Wright are going to be in, and also Tom Hanks. The Spanish Dispatch. <laughs> the Spanish Gaspacho. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a film that a lot of people... I think I think if you are a fan of Wes Anderson, you are going to really like this film, but I think if you're not a big fan of Wes Anderson and not into his well, style you're not a big film, fan of Wes Anderson, you're not going to like any of his films, are you? Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people who do like Wes Anderson's movies didn't like this movie that much. Or like... It, it, it had its moments of like... Um, there was one bit that I found a bit boring, the Timothy Chalamet sequence. Yeah, the Timothy like, Tha- okay, okay, the, the, Timothe Chalamet, that one. Timothy was... Chalamet, Chalamet, yeah. Chalamet. Uh, that was... Um, Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Just go Shawshank Redemption. Chicago, you're <laughs> out of here. <laughs> okay, hi, Dougie. Go on. Uh, look, back to normal. Um, 
I, well, speaking, that of, speaking, of, speaking of Chalamet, and can also I finish? Can I finish? Please, can I finish? Wait, 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 but Chalamet was also in another all-star cast film, Dune. Did you watch Dune? Dune Part One, as it's called. I haven't. My father-in-law wants to watch it with us over Christmas. I don't know how we're going to do that, but we'll figure it out. It's got a kick-ass soundtrack, <laughs> by the way. I do care. Bagpipes. Um, I know. I do care. I like the space bagpipes. Space bagpipes. It's set like thousands of years into the future. They still have bagpipes. And they, there's like there's like one scene where like just when like the 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 Atreides family, that Timothy Chalamet's family, his character's family in the film, they're coming out of the ship, and this is one guy just playing the bagpipes, and they use it in the soundtrack, which is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like playing bagpipes. Yeah, I hope I hope he's in the second film, which they're going to start shooting. But anyway, what were you about to say? I don't even know. Uh, no, oh, Some, yeah, something the, about the, the French bit. Dispatch. <laughs> in the French Dispatch, I thought it was really delightful. I think the only bit that really dragged was the Francis Nadorman Timothy Chalamet bit. Um, but um, yeah, it was amazing because like I didn't realize that that many people were in the film. I know it was going to have like Bill Murray and the usual um, cast of actors that you would find in a Wes Anderson film, but I forgot that. Uh, Willem Dafoe was going to be in it, Saoirse Ronan, uh, Elizabeth Moss. I didn't. I forgot that she was part of the cast, even though she's briefly in the film. Tilda Swinton. Yes, does a most. It's just her. The person she plays. The person she plays is based on a real um, art critic, and um, she absolutely nails this impression. I need to get the name of this person, but I just I loved that whole. Um, that whole sequence and the sort of the satire of it and um she's fantastic that whole that her accent and the way that she's presented yeah, well, in the I, film oh, so is she, amazing she was she was doing a, an, a homage to a woman called rosamund bernier who yeah. i think was some big new york-based art because like, look up this woman after you've done the podcast it is like nailed on what tilda swinton does in this film and that's what i love about Wes anderson it's like only Wes anderson would put a reference to a like an art critic from the mid-century that like a few people may still be aware of in his mm -hmm. movie um so anyway french dispatch is the reason why we're doing top 10 ensemble cast look we have to keep on track we just spent 10 minutes talking rubbish um so should we just launch into it yeah let's do that um number that, 10 number uh, 10 is the film stagecoach directed by john ford yes well um Ensemble films come in many shapes and sizes, and I think that there are a couple of genres that really lend themselves to uh, ensemble casts. Uh, one of them is the war movie. I mean, we could have we could have done just like top ten ensemble cast war films, but then we wouldn't have any listeners except for like, you know, strange middle aged men. Um, but um, but then you know, speaking of strange middle aged men, there are also another genre that I think lends itself well to the ensemble cast is the western. Even though yes. the western's about like heroic individuals a lot of the time. Uh, they do have, um, they do frequently feature a cast of characters and some of the best Westerns by the best Western directors have, um, you know, a wide range of actors in them. And I was thinking um, today, as we was getting ready for this about certain Westerns that have great ensemble casts that you could talk about some of the Peckinpah movies like The Wild Bunch or Major Dundee, or uh, you could talk about all of John Ford's uh, cavalry pictures. You could talk about Howard Hawks's Red River. But I Giant, think in many Giant ways- Autumn as well. That was- that. Well, that's just crap film, Anders. I'm not gonna talk about that. Um, the, 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 um, uh, the, the, but I think like in many ways, Stagecoach is like the sort of the, the the egg from which the western genre like 
hatches uh, in the in the um, you forget in how the eggs <laughs> eggs work. Yeah. It, it germinates from the egg and makes a tree because I don't know. And but the but stagecoach it, stagecoach in many ways is like the ur western. Oh, and by the way, uh, just as a little aside, thank you for my birthday present. Uh, Anders got me an uh, anthology of major blueberry yes. um, comics uh, from the the French uh, comics in uh, a very nicely presented hardback uh, edition with uh, lots of bonus material. So thank you for that. Uh, being of western yeah. but um, there's, two, there's uh there there if you ever come over to denmark and you ever go to fair uh, uh cigar they do actually have a lot more volumes of uh the lieutenant blueberry comics well i also have more birthdays coming up so uh you know yes. um so anyway stagecoach uh it's 1939 the western genre has not been doing very well even though uh it's very popular as b um as b movie thing um you know the western is enshrined in American culture by this point, but there aren't like big movies that have come out that are Westerns um, until John Ford says, fuck it, I'm going to make a big movie that's a Western and everyone's going to love it. And he'd make Stagecoach based on a, uh, I think it was a James Warner Bella story. Uh, it is- um, No, it was Ernest Haycock's The Stage to Lordsburg. I do beg your pardon, Ernest Haycock's. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's just a very simple story about a group of mad, you know, motley crew of characters. You've got a gambler, you've got a southern belle who's pregnant. Uh, you've got uh, which alcoholic... I didn't, which I didn't get the first time. <laughs> I just didn't think she was pregnant. Well, just because she didn't look pregnant, and she's yeah, like, she no. nine months pregnant. And she's like, she didn't even have a bump. I mean, what the fuck. <laughs> um, anyway, so and you, you've got an alcoholic doctor played by Thomas Mitchell, who's amazing. Uh, you've got uh, Donald Crisp, Donald Meek, and he won, Donald and he won the, and he won the Oscar. Thomas Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell won the Oscar. You've got Donald Meek as a whiskey salesman. You've got the sheriff. You've got Andy Devine playing the the, the stagecoach driver. I mean, and then you. You've got uh, Claire Trevor as the whore with the heart of gold, and you've got John Wayne as John Wayne, and um, it is just, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 a perfect ensemble piece, and I think the the great thing about it is, even though you've got the Duke in the film, he is uh, he's fresh from doing B movies, and actually, he's kind of the junior partner on set, and he was basically junior. Bullied. Junior, uh, he was bullied throughout the film by uh, John Ford and. Um, John Ford uh, bullied him throughout his entire the, the entire time they were yeah, together. Well, we could talk, we could we could spend a long time talking about that, but uh, anyone who's interested can go back and listen uh, to our John Wayne special that we did a few years ago. But um, oh, I could re-upload that actually. Don't do that actually. You'll probably get cancelled because he was so problematic. But um, I communism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, America. Why I love her. Have you ever listened to that? Nope. Don't. Um, uh, <laughs> so just, just in case people don't understand what I was talking about, John Wayne released an album uh, called America, Why I Love Her, which is basically John Wayne talking about how much he loves America over patriotic sounding music. It exists. Um, I, so um, before we, before we before move Before John Wayne went over the hill and went fucking mad and turned into like some kind of Trump like fever dream uh he was a young man-ish uh who was cast in this film and who needed it he needed this it was his big break and so despite the fact but despite the fact that it's a big break despite the fact that you get this iconic shot of him twirling his rifle that's not a euphemism uh then um you 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 he is still part of an ensemble uh and you you know the film has people in it who were very recognizable to audiences in 1939 like david carrot david carrot 
John Carradine and um and obviously Thomas Mitchell Thomas Mitchell by the way was very very busy in 1939 he is yeah in, he was in Gone with the Wind Gone with the Wind he's in the, the the Hunchback of Notre Dame he's in Only Angels Have Wings he's in so many films in 1939 his agent must have been incredible anyway um so uh but Stagecoach is, is it sounds like a hokey western it's not it's actually got a lot to say about um American culture the American history and the sort of um you, in the context of the Great Depression uh, it's interesting that the most reprehensible character in the film is not an outlaw it's not the Indians it's uh it's actually an, a banker who who runs off with a, a bunch of money which you know implying um you know a lot about the context of the depression and the and the and the, the money man who who shafted ordinary people so that was um, uh burton churchill's character wasn't it yeah mr. Gatewood. mr gatewood mr gates um but um yeah it's, it's it's a terrific film um it is um i think my favorite person in it is thomas mitchell i don't know what do you think yeah thomas mitchell is my favorite character in the film but i also like donald meek I think his. I think he was just. I think he was I just think one of those. I, if, we, if they did a remake, they could cast me as Mitchell and you as Donald Meek. I think that would that would work. Yeah, that would that would that would make sense. Um, I think just to shout out to other people in the film, uh, Chief John Bigtree and also Yakima Kanut, who did the great uh, stunt where he goes yes. under the stagecoach during that uh, chase scene, and um, they did it all in one shot. It's Yakima Kanut doing that 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 moment so just just so people know it's uh he is he plays a an apache warrior who die who jumps onto the stagecoach he's shot he falls un, in between the horses and then the coach rolls over him yeah uh, but he's not hit by any of the wheels no 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 he didn't get his arms broken or anything like that his and he squashed like a melon <laughs> yeah and he did actually say to john ford is like i could do it again and then john ford was like no <laughs> interesting footnote here and we don't want to get too much into this but john he never worked with john ford again because someone at the rap party said um this is a great film and it's all thanks to yakima Kanut." and john ford was like you bastard and because <laughs> he was so insecure so he never um he never uh, employed him again uh, so, john, john, john ford was a very very weird weird complicated, man. complicated, Complica complicated, complicated man. man especially around yeah he was very much a man's man i think well um yeah and there are anyway there are uh, rumors uh, <laughs> but there yeah. are rumors but also i just think he was a bit of an irascible old alcoholic um i think it and a, a very complex um and um tortured soul shall we yes. say but stagecoach is great uh yeah. and, and um it's it's it always uh stands up uh on rewatching. i think and um it's good fun uh, i think it's a real yeah it's good it's good fun and i think it's got a lot more depth to it than you might suspect should we move on yeah. Also, I, it's 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 funny that, that the fact that Orson Welles watched that movie like forty times while he was making Citizen Kane. That's true. Yeah, he loved John Ford. Anyway, shall we move on because we just did like twenty minutes on stage? Break. Yes. So, at number nine is another film that we talked about, a film we reviewed pre-COVID uh, uh, last year, and that is George Cukor's film The Women, which uh, the was women. also which was also released in uh, nineteen thirty-nine. And this film has an all-female cast. It has Norma Shearer, Joan Crawford, Rosalind Russell, Mary Boland, Paulette Goddard, Phyllis Pover, Joan Fontaine, Virginia Wielder, Lucille Watson, Marjorie Main, Virginia Gray, Ruth Hussey, Hedda Hopper. Hedda Hopper? Wasn't... Hedda Hopper. <laughs> Hedda Hopper was in it. Oh, I didn't know she... Yeah. Why are you it? reading this like the football results? <laughs> Norma Shearer, one. Rosalind Russell, no. <laughs> 
You say if you're going to do a Hollywood film from 1930, John Crawford, Hannah Hopper, John Crawford, <laughs> Hannah Hopper, Hannah Hopper, who was also John a... Uh, one and only, Norma Shearer. Yeah. But, uh, Ladies Hopper. and gentlemen, Norma Shearer. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been listening to the You Must Remember This and uh, Luella Parsons and Hannah Hopper are featured in one uh, as a series of episodes about the... Uh, they were gossip com- uh, columnists uh, back in the day. They were, yeah. They were the original gossip girls. And I, I just... I actually read a book about another gossip columnist, uh, which I which I bought in a um, which I bought in a used bookstore in Copenhagen, and it's by Sheila Graham called My Hollywood. I don't know how available this book is, but she was also. Why has it got the Queen on the front? No, that's Sheila Graham. It's not the Queen. No, it looks like the Queen. Yeah, so it's a it, very interesting book. It's sort of like her time in Hollywood um, in the 1930s, and basically, like she talks a lot about like. As soon as like it gets to like the seventies, that's where she says like all oh, the days of when, uh, they all these people like Cary Grant, they would have parties at New Year's Eve, like all that was gone. That's a shame. Yeah, it does. Sort I, of yeah, be- I, uh, I um, we could talk about books. I I, I got a um, I got a copy of The Bad and the Beautiful um for my birthday, which is all about Hollywood in the fifties, which I can't wait to read. But yeah. the women is very interesting because as you say, it is an all the movie, the cast. movie. We're talking the women, the, women, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the women and the concept. Um the, the genre. It's a good genre, a genre. Gender, fuck me. God. <laughs> um, <laughs> the women, the George Kukov from the women is very interesting because it is an all-female cast. Even the, the dog animals, is even the dog is a female. And the horses, or every animal that's used in the film, uh, all the crew members were men, of course. Interestingly, um, and the tagline of the film was, "Do you know it? It's all about men." Yes. <laughs> So it doesn't actually pass the Bechdel test because every single scene is about someone's husband or someone's lover or some or an adulterous affair. There is no moment in this film where they're not talking about blokes. So even though yeah. it has an entirely female cast, this film does not pass the Bechdel test. There are though so many things to recommend. It is fucking hilarious and um it is very very fun um there's a great sequence where they go shopping in the middle isn't there with they change with the dresses and stuff and yeah there's also uh there's also a uh cut there's a there's a show there's a show where they look at all the clothes and it's the only fashion show yeah and that's done in color and i think that's very innovative and fun there's the the whole kind of satire of it and sending up a certain structure of society and then there's just this couple of like tour de force performances like Norma Shearer is actually quite boring in the film but the um the film just belongs to Rosalind Russell and Joan Crawford I mean yeah. they're just just these like in, it, Rosalind Russell is astonishingly funny in this film like she's a complete clown and I mean that in the best sense like every scene she's in she is just physically and verbally and just sort of spiritually just so funny and every like everything she does every movement every utterance is so brilliantly done and she's yeah. just willing to be the the complete full guy full gal in every single scene in this film and Joan Crawford is is, is tremendous as the sort of um the woman who sets off you know sets tongues wagging by having an affair with the main character's um Mary uh, Haynes played by Norma Shearer there's also that older um Mary the, Boland the, Mary Boland's very funny. And, oh, I mean, Lamour, Lamour. <laughs> yeah. And um, Joan Fontaine's pretty good as well. I mean, she's a, she slightly fades into the um, into the background. But it is, um, it's a proper laugh, the women. And I really think people should consider, especially now as we're heading into another, like, 
horrible COVID-y winter, this is a feel-good movie. This is something yeah. you'll want to stick on on a cold winter's night and watch and have a proper giggle at. And um, yeah, so I, I think my favorite person in this film is definitely Rosalind Russell. What about you? Uh, I like Joan Crawford's character. I know she's like the villain of the movie, but I do feel like she does she's, very well with it. She does very well with it, but I also feel like she's aware of what she is, even though she like yeah. doesn't get in what many she ways, wants. She's the most honest character in the film. Yeah, yeah, she is, and she's like, well, it's back to the beauty department for me, and then says like has one of the best one-liners in the whole yeah. film uh, which uh is is great i'm not going to spoil it for anybody but um it's it's really worth a watch and also do basically check... calls everyone a bitch without calling it without saying the word in a very yeah, exactly way yeah <laughs> Hayes code version of saying the word bitch yeah um number eight so number eight is a war film and that is the daryl f zanuck produced war epic with 42 international stars and that is the 1962 film the longest day are you are you doing the whistling <laughs> it's, just like, yes. it, it's like i thought he's just like because i could faintly hear it I was like where is that coming from because <laughs> <laughs> you're a bit too far away from the microphone so i couldn't quite hear boom, 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 boom. Boom. I love this film. <laughs> I fucking love this film. So, um, uh, I actually want to. But the funny I thing is, to... it's it's so funny at the beginning of the movie when like the guy I can't remember. It's the it's the German actor that's is it is it Rommel? He's supposed to be. Is it is it? He is plays it... Rommel. Yeah, the yeah, guy he plays, plays Rommel. Rommel. It's uh, what's the actor's what's the know. actor's name? Oh, Werner Hinz, and he says. The longest day in German, and then it has the title, and then it has dun 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 dun. dun. Beethoven's fifth, yeah. yeah. Um, and they they explain that later in the movie because it's the Morse code for the V for victory. And there's some uh, American, one of those classic like sort of American soldier types who's like, "Hey, buddy, you ever hear Beethoven's Fifth Symphony?" And then you know whatever it is. Um, the so the longest day. I, I just just talking about it makes me want to watch the movie, but. Um, Da, 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 da. Oh wait, that's that's a different. No, one. that's the halls of Montezuma. Just leave the World War II stuff to me. All right. Okay. Uh, the, um, the film is uh, Daryl F. Zanuck's like vanity piece about D-Day, uh, about Operation Overlord, the invasion of Normandy in 1944. Um, it's 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 the first of a series of war films, not like a true series, but a, a, a series of films that resemble each other, which came out in the 60s and 70s that have just like 100,000 actors in them. Um, and they're all like, they all have little bit parts and it's sort of to show just how many people were involved in the war, but it's also like how many fucking movie stars can we get in one film? And there's this one uh, later in the same decade, you get the Battle of Britain. And then in the 70s, you get Richard Attenborough's um, A Bridge, a bridge to Park. Um, and in our own time, we've seen uh, the Thin Red Line by Terence Malick, which has this kind of a similar concept, if not a, yeah. if not it's not done in the same style. But um, Saving Private Ryan yeah. is also a little bit like that. Yeah, well, Saving Private Ryan is a Men on a Mission film. It, it's different. This is like this kind of like sort of grand canvas kind of battle movie. Yes. Is, is I feel like its own thing. Like. Um, so in this film, you've got, you know, D-Day landings. You've got a chance to cast a bunch of French people, which you get some French actors. You get uh, a bunch of German actors like Wolfgang Price and Gert Frobe. And then you get... Walter Gotel. Walter Gotel. Wait, he's not German. Well, no, he's not. But he is in the movie. Really? He talking about, no, Walter he, Gotel, he, the longest day? Yeah, he's a German. He plays uh, Wilhelm uh, Munker. What? 
Oh, okay. Or a Führer Wilhelm Munke. Kurt Jürgens is in this movie. Yes, he um, is. Anyway, Gert you've Frober. got a bunch of. Gert Fro- I said Gert Frober already. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, so they've got a bunch of Germans, got a bunch of French people. There's not that many great French actors in this. You don't get like a Jean Gabin playing a Normandy farmer or something, which would be nice. But um, you do have all these Germans. And then you've got the classic thing of like, you've got, you unlike in the Battle of Britain, where you can only have British actors, in this one, you've got Americans as well. So you can have. British and American actors in the same film. So you've got Richard Burton, Sean Connery, John Wayne, Robert Mitchum, Eddie Albert, um, Henry Fonda, Wagner, Henry Fonda, um, fucking Stuart, what's Stuart, Whit- Stuart Whitman. Stuart, Stuart Whitman? Why do you bring up Stuart Whitman? fine. <laughs> 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 Richard Bamer, anyone? Um, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey, um, the guy from The Searchers. Oh, Richard Bamer? He's, but that's fucking Tony from West Side Story. Yeah. And uh, Jeffrey Hunter as well. And nothing else. <laughs> what else? <is> he? Nothing. <laughs> Twin Peaks. He's in Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Um, um, uh, Edmund O'Brien isn't it? Twin. He's in Richard Bayness in Twin Peaks. Yeah, he plays uh, Benjamin Horn in. Uh, I don't Twin know Peaks. anything about. It. I I've never seen Twin Peaks, but then I've got another reason to watch it. Um, yeah, Edmund it's, O'Brien. it's him. It, him. It, it's two people from West Side Story in uh, that in Twin Peaks. It's Richard Bayner and Russ Tamblin. Yes. Uh, is Russ Tamblin in this film? No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> Paul um, Anker. Paul Anker's in this movie. Paul Anker. What the fuck is Paul Anker doing in this film? Uh, you've got uh, Robert Wagner is in this film. You've got... Uh, I think you uh, mentioned um, Robert Wagner already. No, Kenneth Moore is in this Sal- film. Salmenio. Salmenio. George Segal. Siegel. Siegel. Steven Segal. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got um, uh, Mel Ferrer is in Rod this Steiger film. Rod Steiger as well. Rod, Rod Steiger. Uh, um... Yeah, he's in this. Um, oh, and Mel Fer- uh, Mel Ferrer. The... I said Mel Ferrer. Oh, I okay. just said his name. <laughs> <laughs> I just said. It. And, and, then, um, and then the guy from um, the 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 uh, bridge uh, from uh, Where Eagles Dare, who gets the ice pick in his arm. The... Yeah, he's in it too. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of one of, uh, one of the bad guys in uh, is is it Richard Todd? No, but Richard Todd is in the film. Also, interestingly, Richard Todd was also uh, a veteran of D-Day. Ah, okay. And he plays the guy who his regiment went to relieve. Um, Hold but to I don't want to get too into the world. This is not a World War II podcast. Uh, and there are, if you want to listen to the World War II podcast, may I recommend We Have Ways of Making You Talk, which is one of my favorite podcasts at the moment. But um, yeah, The Longest Day is just full of uh, people. Also, what's his name? Peter Lawford's in this film. Ah. So you got a Rat Pack member in this one. Um, it... The, yeah, it, it's it's like three hours long, and there's like a lot of battle. Um, it's black and white, so it looks like World War Two. Uh, Robert Ryan is in this film. Yeah, he is in this movie. Yeah. Did you say that already? Uh, I think you might have mentioned it, but uh, uh, no, we can I, say I, it again. But Richard, yeah, no, Richard 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 Burton does have one of my favorite moments in the movie. He also has one of my favorite lines where he says, "Like, it's like I'm crippled. He's dead. You're lost." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sort of sums it up. Yeah, there's not, there's like, there's a lot of people who have like cameos, and then there's a couple of characters who recur, and it's like him, John Wayne, Robert Mitchum. They they sort of feel like the sort of stars of this in certain ways, but yeah, like um, Robert Robert Mitchum spends most of the time running around Omaha Beach without a gun, with a cigar in his mouth. (laughs) He's more more like sort of fatly jogging. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, he plays General Norman Cota. 
um john, yeah. Wayne, john wayne's character uh lieutenant colonel benjamin vanderport has two my good lines he says he says I'm, I, I i wonder which side god's on and also the famous one click must then be followed by two clicks oh and red buttons is in this one yeah, he plays the John Steele who got caught on the on the church in St. Mary Glees. Doesn't he look like George W. Bush to you? He does, actually, yeah. <laughs> he, does, he does look like him a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so uh, The Longest Day is a very long film about D-Day. It's a lot of fun. It's got all these actors in it, and we should move yeah. on because otherwise I'll get overexcited. So at number seven is Ocean's Eleven, not seven the... 11. Not the, not the Rat Pack Ocean's <laughs> Eleven, but the uh, the 2001 Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Elliot Gould, Matt Damon, uh, Scott Kahn, Casey Affleck, Don Cheadle, Bernie Mac, Andy Garcia, Julia Roberts. Just a great cast of actors. And also... And Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner as well. Rest in peace. Um, rest in peace, Bernie Mac too. And Bernie Mac. Yeah, that was so sad what happened with Bernie Mac. Um, and... It is. I actually do think that I do like watching this movie, and it, it, I actually oh, it's great. We watched it. We so watched it fun. last year or this earlier this year. I can't remember, but it was during the whole pandemic thing. We love this. I mean, this is a great film. Yeah, the it's just is, everything in this film is perfect, except Don Cheadle's accent, which is horrible. But everything else, <laughs> you tossed us. You had one job to do. Yeah, it's your accent, which is shit, is better than his. <laughs> um, uh yeah no, no i mean it's it's a really fun movie it's a it's the highest film of our time um probably um it is um i think the quintessential george clooney film um yeah it is just sum up what george clooney offers as a movie star you cannot do much better than this like he's not really an action hero he's not really a sort of traditional um romantic lead but hit this sort of rumpled um, sexy sort of go, verging on middle-aged kind of cool dude he's he's just born, he was the part he's born to play um it's and, the part um, i was born to play baby and um yeah. Hi, and i'm troy he, mcclure <laughs> shut up um <laughs> i just can't we have to get through this um yeah, I mean he's 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 fantastic and um well, so and is Brad film... Pitt. Brad Pitt is fucking yeah, great. Yeah, Brad in this Pitt's movie. great, but I mean I think the MVP in this in many ways is Clooney. Um that's not to say that the other cast members aren't great. I love Elliot Gould. I um I have a lot of time for um for the Casey Affleck and his brother, not Scott Scott Khan. Ben Affleck just <laughs> who plays his brother. Um they're they're great. Um and um Matt Damon's pretty good. Um Julia Roberts, I, I I sort of my one quibble is like, why does he want to get back with Julia Roberts so much? Because she seems like a bit of a like I don't know vacuous kind of um, shallow woman. <laughs> I don't know, but um, like I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I do, yeah, she doesn't get that much to do in the movie. I do feel like a, she a is. Boys, a, it's a bit of a boys' club, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit of a boys' club, and I do feel like Steven Soderbergh who said he was going to retire but you know just kind of came back and now he can't stop making movies and he recently did do a oceans 11 type film but set in west virginia and it was called like ocean 7 11 with um daniel craig adam driver and channing tatum called logan lucky which is actually really really funny uh our mother i showed it to our mother once i think it was during lockdown last year and she absolutely loved it well uh it's and um but uh, but also i think 
yeah but also like but steven soderbergh is he just i think he's a very accessible director but he's also just he really knows how to make films really cool and stylish and he does a lot of the cinematography yeah and it's just this film zips along this is a great really well-paced film but he could do he could do drama he did that with traffic which is also another film which has a great all-star cast also starring don Cheel, but not doing an english accent he's he's doing an american accent in that film and um yeah i think he just he's he's just a really really good uh slightly underrated director even you know i mean sex lies and videotape is a fantastic film and i just i really like his style of filmmaking and also out of sight which is also one of the other great elmore leonard uh, adaptations which was his first film with George Clooney and you know George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez have such great chemistry in that film and it just makes that film just sizzle and feel so cool and rich and coming back to Ocean's Eleven quickly yes. um, which is the film we're talking about before you go yeah. off reciting his C- Soderbergh CV who's the director and not the cast we're talking about the cast yeah the ensemble cast in a heist film does an interesting job because what you've got in a film where there's any kind of mission is that you can have give people specialties right Yes, And so um, every cast member has like a thing that they do particularly well. And, uh, you know, you've got Don Cheadle's the explosives guy, the, uh, you've got the con man is, is, uh, is, is Matt Damon, and you've got the... Um, well, he's more of a pickpocket and also a bit of a con artist. Yeah, and actually they're all con men. Um, but you know what I mean? Like there are specializations and, um, and that lends a sort of character and it, it lends kind of spice and flavor to the whole picture. But it's, I think the real secret of... Um, Ocean's Eleven beyond the fact that the cast is brilliant and they nailed the casting of that cast because you could have said well I'll cast Brad Pitt in the main role and make George Clooney his sidekick and it's like no that yeah. doesn't work you need they they get it they get it really right in that regard um, the real secret for me is the script and the edits which are both phenomenally good yeah also a few cast members from the original film are in the film in cameo roles Henry Silver and Angie Dickinson Angie Dickinson is in this movie. Yeah, she's in the boxing scenes, so she's like cameo cameoing in the background as well as Wayne oh, Newton. Oh, interesting. And oh. also, he, and also Henry Silver, who was also in the original um, Ocean's Eleven, he's uh, he's cameoing in the film as well. Gosh. Well, anyway, um, shall we uh, move on to? Uh, yes. So at number six is a modern day western. Would you call it a film noir? I watched it during mm-hmm. November. Would you class it as a film noir? It's sort of noiry, but I think it's more of a sort of it's a it's it's yeah it's a funny thing it's a yeah it's a it's a modern western, but it does certainly have a kind of noir element. It's a great pot boiler of a thriller. It's um, yeah. Bad Day of Black Rock. Bad Day of Black Rock, which some people may not have seen, and it is um, a really tremendous film. If you live in the UK, you can actually get the film at HMV because it's part of their premium collection, so you can get a DVD with. DVD and the Blu-ray. They have a bunch of films. They also have Night Moves and uh, The Two Jakes, a bunch of films that are pretty much hard to find. Also The Big Sleep and uh, To Have and Have Not. So if you live in the UK, you can you can find Bad Day at Black Rock there. I don't think yeah. it's available on any other streaming platform. So if you do want the DVD and are a lover of physical media, uh, get a hold of that one. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's a good plug. And um, yeah, so, so um, um, I'm sure that, you know, there are other ways of, downloading it and stuff like that but so but, what is the film yeah. about just to give like a brief the film is about spencer tracy who has one arm uh he uh he goes out to the middle of nowhere the mojave desert to a town called black rock and uh to deliver uh the medal belonging to one of his comrades from world war ii and he's delivering it to the guy's dad except when he gets there no one wants to tell him where the guy's dad is or um 
what happened to him. And the twist here is that the guy's father is Japanese American. Yes. So it's obvious, pretty becomes pretty obvious that the community has essentially murdered him and covered it up. And um, and that's kind of obvious from the start. And so it's it's how he figures this out and how he kind of holds this community to account that um, that sort of comes to the fore. And so in order to make a film about a guilty community, you do need guilty community members. And so you've got um, Robert Ryan got again. Robert Ryan, the bad guy. Uh, you've got uh, Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine, who are his willing henchmen, who are great. And uh, and you've got Walter Brennan, who's like the town's kind of conscience and who's the one person who actually helps um, Spencer Tracy. And, um, and it's, you know, it is just this, it's very, very taut, very, very, um, uh, you know, quick movie. I think it's, it clocks in under an hour and a half, but it is, um, it is a fantastic uh, uh, and tense and, and brilliantly photographed um, uh, film with, um, you know, with, 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 with excellent um, uh, set pieces and- um, There's a really good know, car uh, chase in the film. Yeah, great car chase and uh, and a great fight scene. And I think it has that thing that a lot of Westerns do where it's like, is the main character like an avenging angel of some kind? Is he a ghost? Is it, you know, th- there's that whole sort of supernatural thing. It all feels a bit like a sort of Twilight Zone episode, but it, it's very, very good. And I think we put it in here partly because it's a real favorite of ours and partly because people might not have seen it. Um, but yes. yeah. So um, any did anyone did anyone get in touch uh, this uh, time uh, around? I did tweet quite a few times just to kind of get people uh to uh involve not many people reply to this um well that's great because <laughs> yeah, so, they, they're not about fucking trains or, or what was the other thing they like they like know, trains sh- and they shoot like out, shoot out scary scenes and uh they like scary scenes and trains yes well what's wrong with ensemble cast why haven't you people seen any war movie i don't understand so did anyone respond anywhere well uh your uh your friend andrew uh Nogety, he got in contact oh, yes. with us. He commented. He commented on a. You were a best man at his I just, wedding. I just, I just went. To, I just got back from his wedding. Yeah. And one of the yeah. reasons why we didn't record anything in November was I was traveling for that. Yes. Um, you did a best yeah. man speech. So what did you, what did what does Andrew have to say for himself? So he he commented on a post that uh, and he said um, I don't know if it's big enough to count, but waiting for Guffman must be up there. I have not seen it. Have you? Uh, no, I actually do think it's a Christopher Guest film who was in, uh, who was one of the band Spinal members Tap and, of Spinal yeah. Tap. And he does, and he's, he, so basically these are the people that are in the movie. Christopher Guest also stars in the film. Uh, Fred Willard, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Parker Posey, uh, Larry Miller, David Cross, Eugene Levy, uh, Bob Balaban. Uh, Louis Arquette, so a lot of great uh, comedy actors, and uh, Christopher Guest does do these uh, very sort of uh, improvised, a little bit like Spinal Tap, like very like improvised comedy. He did do this one film, which is supposed to be hilarious, which is called um, Best in Show, which is about a dog show. And he also did this other oh, film. My wife loves that film. My wife! My <laughs> wife! <laughs> and he also, and he, also uh, he also did a movie called Mascots, which is on Netflix. So he's done a lot of, like, comedy stuff. And also he did, um, you know, he was, he was, um, he was Nigel Tufnell in uh, This Is Spinal Tap, which... Well, and he's also, he's also the baddie in uh, Princess Bride. Yes. Stop saying that! <laughs> Um, yeah, so just a quick uh, thank you, Andrew, uh, and a quick shout out because Andrew's uh, podcast, uh, which is called Dear Bastard, uh, Dear which is Bastard, 
which is one of the funniest things you can put in your ears, uh, has just uh, released as uh, the the uh, has just opened its second se- open. It, the second <laughs> season of the podcast has just begun. People, okay, yeah. work with me here. Listen to Dear Bastard uh, because it's really good. Um, and it's um, very funny as well. And yeah. I, it's it's got a great sound design as well because every time when like it's it's all it's all done over like email we don't need to look don't go into it people will get it you yeah, sound yeah. Nerd. but also but uh, also but also like the, the the voice the voice acting is amazing like the actors yeah, the voice actors good. are wonderful um didn't you meet, a, you is, said you told me off podcast that you met one of them at andrew's wedding i did i i i have i have i am met Rolene. so people who are dear bastard listeners will, will will know what that means and if you're not uh you should become one and then you will be jealous that i've met Rolene. um but yeah it's a scripted comedy podcast is extremely funny and it is available yes. wherever you get your podcasts okay let's continue with the show because i have to have lunch soon yes Get me my uniform! What? It's a Kelly's Heroes. It just I reminds- know it's a Kelly's Hero reference, but why were you saying get me my uniform? I don't know, because you kind of remind me of the guy in Kelly's Heroes. What, Carol B- Baker? Carol no. Baker. No, Carol, oh, Carol Connor. Carol O'Connor. <laughs> Carol <laughs> Baker's a blonde woman from... <laughs> You're a bad man, Carol Parker. Parker. A very bad man. You don't go around shooting people. Fucker. <laughs> I said Fucker. <laughs> Kelly's, Heroes, really Kelly's Heroes, another film that has an ensemble cast. Kelly's Heroes is an ensemble. I, should we do a couple of shout outs? Because um, yeah. there's a lot of films that didn't make our list. So one of them is um, Pulp Fiction. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. Another one is, of course, The Magnificent Seven. Speaking of westerns, there's a Gosford Park. Uh, a great, you know, that the film, you know, and 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 the rules of the game, the French, the Jean Renoir film, you know, the, yeah. the, the another classic ensemble film is also the everyone in a house for the weekend. Um, also, the guns know, of Navarone as well as Wolf. Yeah, the men on the mission film, the Dirty Dozen. That's another great ensemble cast. JFK. Everyone, stay, everyone, stand where you are. Party's over, and someone stepped on the cake. Yeah, uh, JFK. Um, you could say the Big Lebowski is an ensemble cast. Um, Alien. Yeah, Alien. Also uh Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. So so I think we could have we could have done several top tens on this. Um, but you know, there just isn't time. But this, uh, this, of, this top ten isn't big enough for all of them. No, no, there's only ten places in the top ten. Um yes. but speaking of Gosford Park, which was directed by Robert Altman, we yeah. have a Robert Altman film at number five. Because he, Robert Altman is like Robert Altman is the king of the ensemble cast. He was like the fucking king of he was just so I just good. said that. I know, but I was like I was just I was agreeing with you. I was being like he's the fucking king of ensemble no, I said well, you don't need to make this rude. Um <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, so, he is he's he was very good at doing ensemble you think about mash you think about uh, uh the player you think about even um, and mrs miller or what shortcuts shortcuts um yeah there's a lot of a lot of great ensemble cuts. Yeah. But i think that uh, you you made a case for this film so yeah i i did Take make a case for this movie because we i recommended it on a homes movies recommend episode uh, early this year actually <laughs> And it it just amazes me that he was able just to direct, not just like have a, a whole cast of actors like Keith Carradine, Karen Black, Ronnie Blakely, Shelley Duvall, uh, Ned Beatty, Geraldine Chaplin, Alan Garfield, um, who recently passed away and he was in Beverly Hills Cop 2 and uh, The Conversation, Scott Glenn, Michael Murphy, like you had all, and Jeff Goldblum, who's just, just 
is just playing Jeff Goldblum and Henry Gibson, you know, who's the um, the 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 Nazi Party leader in the Blues Brothers, and really? also and also have great... you actually said the name of the film yet? Yeah, the movie's Nashville. Okay, right. <laughs> and it's it's set over the course of a few days, set in the you know the great country western heartland of America, which is you know Nashville, Tennessee, yeah, the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, and the music is fantastic. Keith Carradine has like a great uh musical moment which uh lily tomlin is in and uh lily tomlin lily is also Tomlin's so good she's so God, good and it. also just just witty as hell so funny yeah um have you seen that netflix show that she's in with jane fonda grace and frankie no no, no, no. stay on track anders anders we've got stay to stay on focused. target lunch <laughs> yeah stay on target <laughs> please anders I but no but lunch. it's but it's just like i just like it amazes me that he's able to like like robert altman was he had he was able to get these cast of actors in this film and like have them in these scenes and have like multiple conversations happening at once and he was very good at like having just microphones like all over the place like the sound in his overlapping dialogue thing yeah, yeah yeah and also just like like having you could really tell like this guy knew how to like knew what he was doing and how to direct a crowd and like all extras and stuff like he was really like working at the top of his game in the 1970s and and also just just the music is fantastic the cinematography is amazing i think it was vilma uh, zigmund who did the cinematography and oh. and i no it's paul loman sorry i because because i feel really? like i feel like vilmus zygmunt and uh laszlo kovacs they did like were cinematographers in all of the films in the 1970s but no it was uh paul loman who was the cinematographer on coffee if anyone has seen that so um so yeah yeah if, i i just i think like if you were gonna watch like any robert altman movie like if you're just gonna like introduce robert altman to someone i would start with like either something like mash or nashville like the, those two films like really well <laughs> Ooh, i have a movie pitch <laughs> yes um, uh, it's like uh i think those two films would be great to start off with because i feel like those are quite accessible and i think gosford park some of the films he did later were maybe a bit too heavy or something but or in that sort of regard but i think i know no, i think you're right i mean i haven't actually seen nashville but i i think it sounds like it's a great place to start the aforementioned andrew noxie is a great fan of that film um so uh so yeah um i think and i think everything you've said about altman just sort of in general is completely on the money he, he's yeah. he's a high wire act but when he gets it right it's it's sublime so yes yeah, yeah it's true so at number four is uh the film do the right thing directed by written and directed and starring spike lee it's a spike lee joint yes um, and it is it, uh, one of the best movies what what, yeah. you, what, 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 did, what did you say what, 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 uh, hello um is this thing on um it is uh yes it is one of the best films ever um i think and it is um uh it's the second time it's in our top 10 because it was also in the top 10 dance yeah yeah the uh fight the power uh scene um yeah well, we're talking the, about the casts today right yes we're talking about the cast and the cast is is great you got ruby d you got ozzy davis you got john totoro giancarlo esposito spike lee which i just mentioned uh mentioned uh frankie Faison, uh who plays one of the uh three men who sit on the side and like are having like i think they improvise quite a lot of those conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. john uh, totoro John Turturro, yeah, he's uh, Pino. He's this one of the sons in uh, Sal's Pizzeria. Yeah. And nice. also Richard Edson, who plays uh, Vito. 
Uh, you got Miguel Sandoval, who's like in everything. He's like he, he, he's the guy in uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, and then you have John Savage, Rosie Perez, uh, Samuel Jackson, who plays Mr. Senor Love Daddy, the DJ, uh, and Danny um, Aiello. Aiello, yeah, Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello. Yeah, who was uh, t- this film received two Oscar nominations: one for its screenplay to Spike Lee, and to Danny Aiello, who uh, w- was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And it was snubbed famously in favor of fucking driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's true. Which is yeah, so yeah. Was- tells you everything you need to know about Hollywood. Um, and it, then obviously there was a there was a parallel a few years later when he brought out Black Klansman, and it was snubbed in favor of Green Book. Um, yeah, he walked. So- he walked. He nearly was. He walked out when that happened, but then they like prevented him from walking out uh, out of the out of the out of the the, the theater where they where the Oscars were taking place. I mean, there are so many, um, it, it's really worth mentioning that obviously th- that Ruby D and Ozzy Davis especially have like serious heritage when it comes to black culture and black yes. cinema in particular. Um, and Ruby D is just f- a phenomenal presence. Um, I, I love her performance in this film and any, everything she's in. She brings so much sort of seniority and gravitas to the role that she plays and and had, and is just... And her relationship with Ozzy Davis, um, obviously Ozzy Davis's character in this film um, is just so touching. Um, Ozzy Davis, interestingly, um, you know, a great actor and a great writer and a great activist. Um, he, uh, in 1969, they, uh, here in Massachusetts, they un- they opened um, Du Bois, W.E.B. Du Bois's former childhood home oh. as, a, as a historic park. And Ozzy Davis actually uh, gave the keynote uh, speech at that, event and there's a um, uh there's a film of it that you can see on uh online that that he also narrates so he's he's been involved in this stuff and he's just such a great presence of um you know in 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 in, in that you know in the history of um of black culture but also of of, of the activism that made this culture you know possible and mm-hmm. um and 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 was a sort of outpour you know was a was an outgrowth of that activism so he's just such an important figure in the landscape of uh, of black america in the 20th century um and and spike lee is too i mean what spike lee has done with his corpus of work has you know i think will will only grow in importance it's not like he's made only good films i think there's some terrible ones in there probably but he has made the quintessential um biopic probably of a civil rights figure and that is Malcolm X um you know uh, you've got yeah. this is this is probably um the greatest film about um you know that sort of without being like explicitly about racism and race violence and stuff this film has and you know has so much to say about those things even though it's also a huge celebration of you know the culture of Brooklyn and and um uh well Bedsty, which is where they are, and, uh, and 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 but but there is this sort of you know there's there's this awareness of history and politics that goes on in in Spike Lee's films that's completely undeniable and it's folded in so so elegantly in this film. Yeah, um, true. It's just a like tremendously good fun, despite having moments of real darkness. Um, yeah, especially so towards the end. So much yeah. loveliness in this film. Yeah, I mean, it's a film that's it was relevant back then, and it's still relevant today. You know, it's oh, bloody hell, it, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, it, 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 I think it's, it's, it's it, it was, yeah. Is it part of the? It's in the National Registry and Library of Congress. It's preserved, isn't it? It bloody well should be if it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I think it is. 
But um, yeah, if you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, do well, do the right thing and go fucking see it. <laughs> do, do the right thing and fucking watch it. And a bit of trivia about the film. It was the film that Barack Obama took his wife to see on their first date. Well, now. Yeah. Just, well, Barack and Michelle. Yeah. Cozy up to some nice Spike Lee. Well, that's good. Um, so at number three is uh wes anderson's third movie and that is the royal tenenbaums and this was actually the first wes anderson film i ever watched i watched it with my with our dad and our mum on vhs back when we were living in london and it was uh it was actually one of my favorite film experiences and i think uh because of that, me and our dad, uh, well, we, 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 he was a big fan of Wes Anderson movies and I loved watching them with him. And uh, so his, his movies have a, uh, they do, I have a soft spot for them. Yeah, well, and this film just turned 20. It did, yeah. And I actually think it, it's the film where I feel like Wes Anderson really kind of cracked the formula a little bit. I think he just, I think people, because I feel like Bottle Rocket and R- Rushmore, I mean, they were good, but I think it was, you can really tell that he was trying to figure out his style and his way a little bit, but I think with the Royal Tenenbaums, I think he really got that and he was able to like create this mad, you know, idiosyncratic world. And I feel like that, that style with Royal Tenenbaums really plays into his other films and is more prevalent and um, it's very noticeable. And I think it's what makes his films just, you know, you either love him or hate him, but like, I think, it, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think you need to. I mean, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm not ambivalent about uh, Wes Anderson. I basically like him a lot. Some of his films, I think, haven't been as successful. And, and I think some of the hero worship that's thrown his way is a bit much. But um, The Royal Tannenbaums is, I think, his best film because it's also the best story. It's, it's, it's a film about a family that has fallen apart coming back together. Yes, and yes. um and that's another great type of ensemble cast is the family movie you know um you yeah think about yeah definitely of of that. like august osage county springs to mind or you know there are other there are lots of examples of that kind of you know a family in crisis coming together um ordinary people the robert Redford ordinary people. yeah yeah right 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 you know you, you've got sort of opportunities for ensembles there and i think the um royal tenenbaum is uh, tenenbaum is a fantastic example of the form and it's a really touching and sweet film and um i think it's probably the last truly great uh gene hackman performance as well yeah um, but it, it's funny like it's great that you mentioned gene hackman because he actually didn't enjoy making this movie i think him and wes anderson didn't really get along and it's really weird because he is extremely funny in this movie like he was that is surprising it's really funny because it's like he was like you know a very serious actor and he was great in all these dramatic roles like in night moves and in the french connection unforgiven the firm and he was very like a really kind of like heavy you know you know drama dramatic actor but you know, he did films like this and Get Shorty, where he actually showed he was, you know, he was he could actually be absolutely hilarious. But actually, with the good thing about it was he played it almost straight and allowed the audience to find it funny. But I think he played well, it. He played that's, that's a lot of the the humor in Wes Anderson's films is that yeah. the, the, the actors do present things in a kind of deadpan. Um, yeah. And I think he does that very well. And it's 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 interesting that he didn't he didn't they didn't get along because his performance in the movie is 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 pretty damn good yeah i mean i've heard that wes anderson can be a bit i don't know difficult I, to get along I, with whatever. I, I i wouldn't i i could i can imagine that yeah um but um but yeah i mean so we've got gene hackman is brilliant we've got angelica houston danny, danny glover, glover um ben stiller got, luke wilson stiller, yeah. owen wilson yeah. yeah 
Gwyneth Paltrow, who's actually pretty good yeah, in that film. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow's good in this for a change. Um, she's um, it's probably her best performance as well, um, apart from maybe the talented Miss Ripley. Um, Bill Murray. Um, oh, yeah, we can't forget about Bill Murray. Narrated by Alec Baldwin. Um, it's, um, you know, there, there are a ton of uh, just great performers uh, littered throughout this, and, it's, uh, and it all makes... It's, it, it's perfectly harmonious, where, you know, in the French Dispatch, you could be excused for saying do you really need to cast someone as famous as elizabeth moss the moth elizabeth moss in that role or do you you know it feels a little bit occasionally in some of his later films like he's indulging in stunt casting whereas in the tenenbaums it feels completely justified yeah and um <clears throat> it's just a great story it's a um it's got a, so much melancholy in it it's also i think it's a great new york film even though it's, it's not a really good new york film not really it doesn't show you lots of new york locations but it captures this kind of feeling of a new york atmosphere yeah you know what i mean like it, it has that and um yeah i mean i'm i'm just a, a huge fan of it and um i i fell for it uh the first time i watched it actually was after our father's funeral so it was kind of like there was That's a point true, in yeah the first time you watched it was with him and and then you know years later that was our that was my encounter with it and obviously there's a poignancy in there um as well but, but to do with the subject matter of the film but it's it's i i think that you know you can give wes anderson a lot of stick for a lot of stuff <laughs> that sounds gimmicking and you know give him you can criticize him for all sorts of things but i think this film is 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 really wonderful and it's a it's so fresh when you consider it came out in 2001 um and um and what a cast what a cast yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to two other members of the cast. Uh, Seymour Cassell, who plays Dusty. Uh, Seymour Cassell, he's well known in the world of independent cinema and was in a couple of uh, Steve Buscemi films, In the Soup and Trees Lounge, which Steve Buscemi directed and which was a big inspiration for David Chase when he was putting the cast together for The Sopranos. And also um, Indian actor Kumar Palana, who plays Pakoda, uh, Gene Hackman. Oh, yes, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does show up briefly in uh, The Darjeeling Limited. He's one of the he's one of the passengers on the train. That's right. Yeah. So at number two is Milos Forman's movie One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. So um, we're going to finish with two really big hitters from the seventies, and um, yeah, the, I've. Oh, I mean, where to start? This is a obviously an incredible film. Um, it's a very and, tough film. Yeah, it's, bloody, <laughs> Even, no, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it stays with you. Even though it has yeah. moments of levity, thanks to Jack Nicholson, it is a very hard film to watch. Even the book is quite tough as well. Well, I'm sure the book is is even tougher in some ways, but I think that the um, although it is when you're sort of immersed in it in the way film can do it, it yeah, the, the 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 acting in this film is extraordinarily good. And that's I think we should start by talking about some of the the smaller roles um and then sort of build up to the stars like i just think that um what the patients in the mental hospital do um you know with their performances is 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 just simply um astonishing like um obviously there's danny devito who goes on to great things um and um vincent vincent, uh, vincent schiavelli Vincent Schiavelli, who's who's you know really um, a really remarkable um, sort of <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah, Sydney Lassick, who plays Cheswick, who just has one of a, just the best moment. One of the best moments and scenes in the film is when he goes, "Miss Ratchet, I want my cigarettes." 
Oh god, that whole bit where he like loses it is so I find yeah. that so hard to watch. Christopher Lloyd, yes, who plays Tabor and um, Brad Dourif. And then uh, the 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 actor who didn't live very long afterwards, William Redfield, yeah, um, he played Harding. Played yeah, he's really really good as well. And also, um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, uh, Will Sampson, who plays Chief Bromden. Yeah, so well, that's so that's where I wanted. I think the film and oh, Scatman Crothers. Quick yes. shout out to him. Um, but the film, I think, really revolves around um, four uh, key performances, and that's um, Will Sampson as Chief Bromden, um, Brad Dorif as Billy Babbitt, Bibbit, uh, yeah. and um, and then you've got Louise Fletcher and Jack Nicholson, um, and um, I, I think all of those people bring their a game and it is, yeah, they um, do they do they, they are absolutely uh, amazing to watch now this is young brad dorf um and he he he's so um sweet and innocent and his fate kind of is the hinge on which the movie sort of turns at the end um nurse ratchet is such an interesting character who she genuinely i think believes not that just that she's doing the right thing but that she is um that her system is the one that works and yet she is you know obviously the villain and she is um fallible uh but there is this she's there's a huge amount of humanity in in her performance and she doesn't just play like this sort of cruella de vil kind of you know nasty kind of yeah, villainous yeah, yeah. character um and then uh then obviously jack nicholson is this jack nicholson he's great and we you know spill a lot of ink about how good jack nicholson is in this and in a lot of films but i just i really want to focus on will sampson because obviously the novel is told from chief bromden's perspective the yeah film needed to get the casting of this guy right and hollywood does not have a good history of um depicting indigenous people on screen as we've talked about many times and um they could have just cast someone in a wig. They could have cast um, uh, more, maybe a, a just any old, um, you know, um, indigenous actor and just written the part, you know, underwritten the part, but they chose to stick by their guns and they um, went out and they found Will Sampson, who was not a professional actor at the time. And he is so good and he yeah. does so much with so little and his, his, the, the denouement of the film where he um, does what he does, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, is so yeah. fantastically moving and he acts it so well. Um, and he, because it's so interesting that he spends so much of the film just watching and very, and but his watching is is also depicted with such great care. Like he's, and that's, it's such, such a big part of the story is seeing Chief Bromden, seeing what's happening around him. And, mm. um, and when he when he sort of then comes to life as it were it's just so uh, entrancing and you just when i watch this film now i just can't take my eyes off him but uh, just to say you know zooming out again you know it is just sort of an incredible cast and it feels almost theatrical in that way it feels like a play brought to life that one well, day it you're was it was based the... on a play version of the book yeah oh is that right okay yeah, yeah. so uh I didn't realize that, but uh, it, it feels like, yeah, a play that you've just sort of wandered onto the stage and you're sort of taking part in. It's incredibly immersive and very um, authentic, haunting, yeah, and, and yeah, harrowing in some ways. Yeah. I, re yeah, I remember reading the book in school in English and then watching the film at the same time and kind of comparing and contrasting. Like they did really adapt the book and 
captured the spirit and the feeling of the book very well, even though Ken Kesey wasn't a huge fan of it. And I think there's a story he was in a hotel room zipping yeah. through channels and then he was like watching this thing as like, oh this looks really good i want to check this out and then he clicked it off after five minutes when he realized it was an adaptation <laughs> one for the Cuckoo's yeah no he did not care for the adaptation but yeah we care for it it is a it is one of the great films yes. of the 70s um it's uh where do you think it ranks in terms of jack nicholson's performances i'd say it's pretty uh, high definitely in the top five i i, I still think the jake giddy's role is it's sort of my number one because I really do think it's his. I think at that in point, Chinatown. which I in yeah. Chinatown, I think that is just Jack Nicholson acting amazingly well and not doing the whole like Jack Nicholson like shtick that he does in this film. But he does it very well, and he's you know he's he's yeah, very I, he's he's walking a tightrope though, isn't he? Like yeah, it, it feels like it could if he really like if he went too far, it would ruin it. Yeah, it sort of felt like because he had already been nominated a few times before this. It was like giving the oscar to al pacino for sense of a woman so it was like they had to give it to not him that for this one. because he does deserve it it's not yeah, he does deserve of it. it's not al, that but al pacino I've... instead of a woman is doing a parody of himself like let's be perfectly honest <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it just so uh, jack, jack nicholson deserves this it, it might not be yeah. the greatest performance of his career but it's certainly up there yeah true um, and i think he did capture the essence of of uh, of the character um just before we quickly move on i did find this quote from will sampson on uh, on his imdb page uh where he said uh hollywood writers and directors are still he's talking about a film industry's portrayal of indians and he said hollywood writers and directors are still using them for livestock they somehow just can't seem to bring it around to give the truth about indians hmm yeah, no, he's his he's he's just uh, wonderful in this, and I think um, the the film has a lot to say about that issue as well, without really saying too much. But I think you can see, you know, explicitly, but you can read a lot into it. Um, but speaking of Al Pacino, what's at number one? Yes. Sorry, I went out of tune there a little enough, bit. Enough of that. <laughs> the Godfather. The everyone. Godfather. Yeah, yeah, that's why you're the Godfather. <laughs> yeah, we could be uh, we could be hipsters and try and come up with something, but like it was honestly, this felt like too obvious a thing not to um, not to not to put it number one because um, well, it's one of the greatest films ever made, and it has an, an incredible ensemble cast at the heart of it, right? But also I mean, a cast of actors that they really fought for, like Francis Ford Coppola really fought for Al Pacino yeah. in this film, even tying Brando Keaton as well. and yeah. a bunch of the others. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I was just, uh, speaking of Al Pacino, I do have another good book by Al Pacino. This, and this is book club? It's, it's, the, it's by Lawrence Grobel. It's Al Pacino, the authorized biography. And also Lawrence Grobel did do, it's not like a, you know, cradle to the grave biography. It's, it's these- well, it's not dead yet. No, but, no, but it was, it's of his career, but it was like, it's not one of these things like Al Pacino was doing this, but how did he get there kind of thing? So it's not like, you know, so it's it's conversations that Lawrence Grobel had with Al Pacino throughout different stages of his career. So it's like recorded conversations from the 1970s, 80s, 90s. And how the, did I get here? And the early 2000s and like, but it's really interesting. Like Al Pacino's like just comes across as like a really interesting guy and like talking about theater oh, yeah, and like sure, acting yeah. and like his philosophy about acting as well. And it was just really... It was very interesting. It's a really good book to read if you guys can get a hold of it. But like, you know, he was just. Well, and you also, know what's not a very good book? What? The Godfather. It's actually not. Particularly it's not a good book. book. 
no, this is the book. The film's better than the book, which is very rare that you get to say that. But but I I didn't you not, could say I that about think... you could say that about Peter Benchley's Jaws as well because the film is so much better than the book. <laughs> Probably the 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 book is is kind of trashy uh, and very obsessed with sex um, in a slightly porny way, um, and the film is just a masterpiece as we know but the yeah so you've got Arpacino who who Coppola fought for he also fought for Marlon Brando he fought for um you know to have that and he's get he the cast is just like yes Brando was a star in the 50s but like by this time his star is kind of waned and he's not he's really on the outs there's no one in this film who's like wow Robert Redford or something you know even though they wanted the studio wanted Robert Redford but like everyone in this film is just a great player you know you've got your um your Abe Vigodas and you've got your uh, Al Lettieri's and you've got your Talia Shires. You got... who's, who's, who plays Clemenza? Uh, Clemenza is uh, Richard S. Uh, Castellano. Castellano, yeah. Um, and then you, you've got, you know, a few Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall is in this film, you know, Al Pacino, obviously, James Kahn um, and the great John Casale. Yeah, the late um, great uh, John Casale. Well, he's been dead for a while. I mean, that's the thing. He did what? How many films is John Cazale in? Five, and they're all amazing. Yeah, they're um, all, and they were all nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, um, Alex, Alex Rocco, who played uh, Mo Green, and um, and oh, who's the guy who plays Barzini? Um, Sterling Hayden. Uh, no, well, Sterling Hayden. He plays the police officer. But who's the guy? I, I'm thinking of the oh, guy who R- plays R- Richard Conti. Richard Conte, who's, you know, a great uh, character actor from the, you know, the old golden age of Hollywood. I mean, there's just so many players in this. And and it's great to have Sterling Hayden in there because Sterling Hayden has also fallen off the face of the planet. And, you know, it's like this film makes a bunch of people's careers. Like it makes Al Pacino's career. It it boosts Robert Duvall's career. It boosts James Caan's career. Diane it Keaton revives, as well. Huh? Diane Keaton as well. Diane, Diane Keaton, yeah. And, but it also completely like... Um, revives um you know the cult of brando and the cult of of uh, sterling hayden not that either of those very uh, complicated men really ever made anything of it but they you know um it's it's wonderful to sort of bring them into the the 70s in that way and i i just it, yeah i just can't say enough good things about the film i know we've talked about it yeah places, we, we do have an old episode about it which i might re-upload again because that was actually a really i really enjoyed talking about the godfather not just the first well we didn't talk about the third one that much but we did talk about godfather one and two a little bit yeah and obviously you could have put godfather two up there as well though i think godfather two is less of an ensemble cast because it's more of a character study of michael whereas this is truly a look at this again speaking of a family coming together you know like uh like we did with the royal tenenbaums you know this is yeah. this is the, the royal Corleones, um and it um it has, um, yeah, the, the, the ensemble castness of this film is really central to what yeah. makes it a good film, I think. I think the one it's one of these movies where I love it so much, I just want to be in the world of that film and surround myself with the yeah. characters. I often, I don't mind admitting this, I often make pasta when I watch this film because... I want to sort of, as you say, embody the. I don't put on like a shoulder holster and then go and like whack someone or like, and I start going around and be like, hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, but uh, I oh, don't. Bada uh, bada um, bing, uh, you know, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't wrap my fishes in newspaper and send them to people. I, I just. Um, well, actually, I, they do I, it with the they do it with the bulletproof vest. The bulletproof vest, of course. Yeah, yes, just a right. Sicilian message. It means that Luca Brazzi's sleeping with the fishes. 
uh yeah it's it's full of quotes it's full of great moments everyone listening has seen it so yeah. you know but it you know just to make that case again like it it lives in our memories the way it does because the characters are good and the characters are brought to life by great actors and if they hadn't cast those great actors like if they hadn't really gotten the casting of people like Clemenza and Tessio right it wouldn't be as good like and it's like when you've got that depth of a, in, in a film it just yeah. adds so much power to it you know and I, so I think there's something really to be said for you know ensemble casts and and how and what the work they do to like make these films uh you know even the silly stuff like The Longest Day but you know when we're talking about these like seriously consequential films you know they they, they do enhance it so much and so if you're casting a movie like make sure that you get everyone right because don't just like be like oh yeah fuck it you can be played you know it's it it can be played by anyone you know that, yeah. that, that's not you know that's not the i don't know who the hell i'm speaking to right now if you're out there making a movie listen up uh i mean these days um you know people do tend to to put a lot of care and attention into it but, yeah. yeah and also just you know francis ford coppola was a fantastic director like just the way he oh. put it together and also yeah. just just like the conversation godfather 2 yeah apocalypse now despite the madness that happened off screen <laughs> but a, um yeah this just, is his finest work in my opinion i love the conversation i love godfather 2 but the godfather itself is is the it's the founding document for me it is it is it is it is such a benchmark for what hollywood is going to do in the 70s and it's the last interesting decade of american film and it really really just just break i mean it, it it's just such a masterpiece it's such a yeah. monument it's such a great and, it, and in the cinematography the whole you know as i say we've spoken about it on another show so we won't go yes. into it but i i love the godfather i love re-watching it and i love thinking about the movie the quotes the car everything so yeah and it does speaking of christmas it is it does have a moment where it is set around christmas there we go. So yeah. now you've just given away what we'll be talking about next time. Seeing <laughs> as it's the most wonderful, wonderful time, time of the year. year. Um, so we'll be talking about our top 10 Christmas films. You better fucking get involved, people. Yeah, because there's a lot of Christmas movies out there and I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people who've seen a bunch of Christmas films that I haven't even seen yet and there's so many of them. So do get involved. So, you know, follow us at At Homes Movies Pod and let us know what your favorite Christmas movies are. What films you like to snuggle up with the family next to the fireplace and with hot cocoa and the dog playing with his new toy that he found under the Christmas tree in the background. We want to know what it is that you like to see when it is cold and snowy or windy, if it's windy outside. Let us know at Homes Movies Pod. Yeah, festive films, people. Um, so, yeah, no, I, got, I, got, I got into sort of my telemarketer phase a little bit there. My telemarketer? You just sound like a psychopath. Um, <laughs> I, I, anyway, um, yeah, we'll be talking about Christmas films. Um, and, um, yeah, hit us up. Yeah. I spent my whole life trying not to be careless. Women and children can afford to be careless, but not men. Mm-hmm careless about uh your misogyny there Vito. anyway uh we'll let's get out of here i need to eat my lunch because i'm really fucking hungry. yeah leave the gun take the cannoli yeah i'd, I'd fucking murder a cannoli right now <laughs> all right <laughs> yes so um yeah that concludes another episode of uh, us listing our favorite top 10 something <laughs> ensemble casts ensemble casts uh, so do check out our next episode where we'll be listing our top favorite top 10 favorite christmas films uh do follow us at homes movies pod you can also follow me at at fabricious 91 f-a-b-r-i-c 
uh, US91. Adam is the Northampton Dane. He's also on uh, Instagram, adam.h.f.homes. I'm also Anders F. Holmes. Um, as we mentioned before, do, do check out Andrew. <laughs> <Enough> social media, <laughs> making me dizzy. And uh, if you want to send us an email, homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. And also you can check out the blog that we most, I mostly post things on, uh, Homes Movies, uh, yeah, which I will add a link to in the uh, episode notes. I did recently just post a review about Jim Cummings' new film, The Beta Test, which is one of my favorite films of this year. So do check that out and a few other things that I posted. So yeah. Uh, and also check out Andrew's uh, Andrew Nockety's podcast, Dear Bastard, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you very much for listening. I've been Adam Holmes. Be <laughs> I've been Adam Holmes. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>